Now, strangely, uh, the book of Jude is at the same time one of the least known books in the New Testament, and yet it contains two of the best known verses in the New Testament. But the thing is, because we don't know the book of Jude, we probably don't know where those two verses come from. Now, so as the Bible reading is so short today, I, I might just read it myself. Jude, verses 24 to 25. Now, to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy, to the only God, our Saviour, through Jesus Christ our Lord, be glory, majesty, dominion and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen. Was that familiar to you? Would it be more familiar if I added a bit of music to it and went, Now unto him who is able to keep... Right, so it's a bit more familiar for some of you. It's okay, we'll get a chance to sing it later. <laughs> so today's Bible reading, it's treated as either a benediction or a doxology. I grew up in a church where at the end of every single service, we would sing that song, which I'd sort of just started. And as I said, we're going to sing it again, again later today. Now, some of you will remember doing that. Who used to sing that at the end of just about every service? Look at all those people who are not youthful anymore. Uh, <laughs> Karen thinks her husband is youthful. Denial. <laughs> um, righto, so... It, it, this song um, it was actually a, a source of great discomfort to me at times when I'd visit Robin's old church in, in Toowoomba, uh, which was Rangeville, when they used to meet in High Street. Because at a certain point in the song, I think it was where you got to dominion and power, the person beside you would grab your hand and thrust your hand up, up in the air as high as they possibly could. And... Um, now, that was a bit of a problem for me because at the time... <laughs> oh, yes, yes, no, nobody lifted me off the ground. Um, but, but it was a problem for me because at the time I, I had a... Um, my right shoulder suffered numerous recurring dislocations. And for me, above my head is the danger zone for my shoulder. And so I learned to resist spiritual gusto. So the person beside me would be trying to shove my hand up and, and I'd be holding it down and they'd, they'd be going, oh, it's all good. And I'd go, mm, like this. Now, after a while, I did learn to either sit beside a little old lady or somebody who was much shorter than me. And they, they're few and far between. But those were the days. A, a benediction. So that, that's like hanging up the spiritual phone. Right, So that's the spiritual blessing that finishes off your time of meeting together and it sends people off on their way. A doxology, it simply gets its word from the Greek word doxa, which means glory. It's a short passage of scripture that we use often in worship because it gives glory to God. And verses 24 and 25 of Jude fit beautifully with both of those purposes. But, but there is a deeper purpose in, in what Jude is writing these verses for. The book of Jude 
is urging disciples of Jesus to contend for the faith, to struggle for the faith, to fight for the faith. The faith, the Christian faith that's been passed down by Jesus and the apostles is under attack. Some want to change the faith. Some want to add to it. Some want to take away from it. Some want to vary it. Some want to update it. Some want to use grace as an excuse for sins of the flesh. The faith of the Christian church is under attack. And so in the Christian church, we are in a spiritual battle. Last week, we talked about how the greatest weapon in our spiritual arsenal is prayer. Now, we all know that in a battle, there are casualties. And at this point, I'm going to quote what Michael Green said in his commentary, because I can't say it any better. He said, It is a dangerous thing to live for Christ in an atmosphere of false teaching and seductive morals. It is a hazardous thing to try and rescue men for the gospel out of such an environment. If you get too near the fire, it will burn you. If you get too near the garment stained by flesh, it will defile you. Is withdrawal the answer then? No. Advance against the forces of evil. Face the dangers involved. So long as you are strong in the Lord's might, such is the thrust and the context of Jude's final verses. Now, he, he said that well. Humanly speaking, when we get into a spiritual battle, we are very weak. But we have a God who is exceedingly strong. He is the only God. And anything else that, that masquerades as a God isn't a God at all. It's a demon. And on the day that the Lord decides, he's going to hurl every one of those demons into the lake of fire that he's already prepared. Our God is the only God. I, I love the way that um, at times in the scriptures we find humour, at least I find humour, and often it's, it's mocking false gods. Um, in my daily Bible readings this very week, I was in the book of Samuel, and the Philistines had captured the Ark of the Covenant of God, right? So the Ark of the Covenant, that was that, that gold-covered box that, that held the tablets of the Ten Commandments and a sample of manna, and I think it had Aaron's staff that had budded. And, and, and within the temple setting, that, that was basically the throne of God was sort of up and around this Ark of the Covenant. But it, they would take this Ark of the Covenant out with them be, to go before them into battle. But the Philistines had captured the Ark of the Covenant of God. And what they did is they thought, right, well, we'll take it and put it, put it at our God's feet. So they took it and they put it into the temple of their God, Dagon, right there beside the statue of Dagon. And in the morning, the people got up and went into the temple and there was Dagon face down on the floor before the Ark of the Covenant of God. Well, that can't be good. So they picked their God up and put him back on his pedestal again and continued on. But then the next morning, they found the Dagon once again, face down on the ground before the Ark of the Covenant of God. Only this time his head and his hands had been cut off and they were laying on the threshold. 
And so we're told it was only the trunk of Dagon that was left. I just love that image. I just find that they're just mocking this false god. Well, God's mocking this false god. There is only one God. And every demon will crumble before him. And because this one God is our saviour, we know that he'll keep us. Now, the theme of keeping is prominent in Jude. Back in verse 1, we're told that the beloved of God the Father are kept for Jesus Christ. In verse 21, we were told to keep ourselves for the love of God. And we talked about how that involves us keeping on in the faith and keeping his commandments. And now, in verse 24, we know that it is God who is able to keep us from stumbling. And this isn't a tough thing because he is the only God. And when you've got no competition, you win. If one's desire is to honour God, if, 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 if one's desire is to live for God and to contend for the faith with God's help, we will. Our God is able to keep us from stumbling. Now, what does that mean? Uh, Robin just showed you some bruises from when she tripped over the other day. I think I might have told you already. I stumbled the other day. I tripped with a full backpack of spray on. I put my arm out. I hit the ground and dislocated my shoulder. Is that the sort of stumbling we're talking about? No. We're talking about spiritual stumbling. Now, spiritual stumbling, it can be a matter of faith. Um, It can be a matter of doctrine, what we believe. It can be a matter of actions falling into sin. We were saved from sin to become a people for God, to become a people who will populate his holy kingdom when Christ returns, to be a people who are set apart to be holy. Now, how are you going with that? Sometimes I feel that I've let God down because I know that I haven't been holy. And sometimes you feel the same way, don't you? If you don't, then you might have a fair bit of pride you need to confess, because we all stumble. We all find that there's times when we've let God down and we haven't been living holy lives. But even so, our God is able to present us blameless before the presence of his glory. And we don't just scrape in. It's with great joy that this happens. It is a fearful thing to come into the presence of the most holy God. Because in the light of the presence of his glory, every speck of our sinfulness is laid bare. And we cannot possibly stand before him. But by the blood of Jesus, he purifies us and he makes us holy. And all of the blame is taken away. Now, that is how we become blameless. And this is why we can enter the very presence of God. No matter how wicked I've been in my life, for the very first time, when I confess my sin to God and I beg for the mercy of God and I I give to him my life and I repent of my sin, No matter how wicked I've been, at that very moment, I become blameless before God. 
But at times, we still stumble. And so by the blood of Jesus, he's purified us and made us holy and all the blame is taken away. And that's how we become blameless and we can enter into the presence of God. But at times we stumble. Have you stumbled? Have you sinned? Well, the message of Jude is the opposite to the message that he's urging his readers to contend against. The message of the false teachers is, have you stumbled into sin? Well, that's okay. Keep on doing it. More grace for you. Well, that's okay. That's the way God's made you and it's not sin anyway. More grace for you. But the message of Jude is, have you stumbled into sin? Well, don't give up. In God, we have a saviour and he can, he can save you from this sin. And he can keep you from stumbling again. That the message of the gospel is that we repent of sin. He forgives us of that sin, but it's more than that. He purifies us and he makes us holy. And so here we, we, we see the merging of two great biblical truths. The first truth is by the blood of Jesus, our sins are washed away. Guilt is gone. Shame is gone. Our destiny has changed from death to life. We once were objects of God's wrath, but, but now we have become his beloved. But the second great biblical truth is God hasn't finished with us at that point. He also does what we call sanctifies. He sanctifies us. He makes us holy. He, he begins to live inside of us, his Holy Spirit living in us. If the Holy Spirit is living in us, how can we continue to do wicked things? And this is what sanctification is about. By his Holy Spirit, he changes us from the inside out. Now, it's not long since we've um, been singing a multitude of Christmas carols, right? So... When you sing the Christmas carols, those great, grand old Christmas carols, do you take notice of the, what the words say? Some of them, even ones that we consider to be kids' Christmas carols, have deep, deep biblical truths embedded into them. Think of that song, Away in a Manger. We think of that as a kid's Christmas carol. But it says in there, and fit us for heaven to live with thee there. He's talking about this sanctification. By his Holy Spirit, he changes us. I'm going to use the, the term, he makes us fit for purpose. You know how in, in consumer law, you, you buy something and if it doesn't do what it's supposed to do, you can get a refund for that. Um, even if it's outside of its warranty period. If it's not doing what it was designed to do, if it cannot do it, it's not fit for purpose. And legally, you are due a refund. But for us as Christians, by the Holy Spirit, we get transformed to become fit for purpose. What's our purpose? To live with our God in the presence of his glory for all eternity. Do you realize that this is what God is doing for you? He didn't only save you from your sin, 
He is fitting you for heaven so that you can be blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. What gives you joy in life? In the church, we talk a lot about the joy of the Lord. And in a world where clinical depression robs people of their joy, the promise of with great joy, that's, that's pretty good, isn't it? Oh, I want some of that. Who doesn't want joy in their life? What is this great joy that, that Jude is describing? It's the jubilance of God's people at the attainment of his purposes. God's purpose is to present you and I blameless before the presence of his glory. Does that fill you with joy? Does it? It does fill Lauren with joy. Excellent. Does it fill anyone else with joy? I feel like an auctioneer. Do we get another bit over here? And so Jude just spills over into praise. He can't hold his joy in. It just comes out. So to the only God, right? There is no other. Our Saviour through Jesus Christ, our Lord, the God, the only God is our Saviour. He's your Saviour. He's my Saviour through Jesus Christ, our Lord. There is blessing in that. How, how could we ever deserve such an amazing thing? That the only God would choose to be our Saviour. I am unworthy for this. And that's what grace is. Our God, the only God, chose to be our Saviour through Jesus Christ our Lord. To him be glory. It sort of seems strange, us giving God glory. I mean, he's got all the glory. We don't have any glory to give. How do we give God glory? We can do it with our praises. We can say glory to God. We can recognise his glory. But also God can be glorified in us as we live by the Holy Spirit, living righteous, godly lives, demonstrating God's grace and love and justice and goodness to the world around us. To him be majesty. He's high. He's lifted up. He is far above all else. To him be dominion. A better word to use there would be the word power. Uh, the, the Greek word is more related to power than dominion. Our God is a powerful God. He has all power. Now, within the book of Jude, the condemnation of those who have corrupted the gospel, those were not empty threats. Our God has all power. And he has the right to use it because to him be authority. Everything belongs to God. God is the creator of this earth, but he's also the redeemer of this earth. He owns it twice over. He has the right and he has the power to rule over every creature. And what an ignorance one displays when they dare to shake their fist at God and say, you have no right. Seriously. The only God has no right. He has every right. To him be authority. His word stands. He has the right to rule over all things. And he has had that right before all time and now and forever. Amen.
So that brings us to the end of Jude. And what an encouraging way to finish off, being reminded of the power and the majesty and the authority and the purpose of our God and that his purpose is to keep us from stumbling and to present us blameless on the day of our Lord. Does that encourage you to contend for the faith? Does that encourage you to struggle for the faith, to fight for the faith that was once and for all passed down by Jesus and the apostles? Does that encourage you that when you stumble, to get back up again? Because we have a God who can stop us from stumbling again. This is the God whom we worship. And this is our purpose, to worship and praise his holy name and to be transformed as we walk with him day by day that we might be presented blameless on the day of our Lord. Now unto him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you blameless before the presence of his glory with great joy. To the only God, our Saviour, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, power and authority before all time and now and forever. Amen.